Hi. Hey there. Oh. What? <laughs> Sorry, I just hated that voice. Oh. Uh, welcome <laughs> to Praise Dionysus. Praise, Praise him. Yeah. Gorilla. Thank you. That was a very good gorilla. Thank um, you. Today we're going to be talking about Is God Is by the Melbourne Theatre Company. And This Is My Body by Luke Macaronis. Terrific. Such fun. Yes. Um, so excited to talk to you. So excited to be here. He's talking to you, sweet, sweet listener, not no, me. I, I'm also excited to talk to you, Jack. Oh, that's sweet. Hello. Oh, this is nice. Sure. Here we are. Again. Yes. You and I. Uh-huh. Sitting here on the couch. Yeah, classic duo. Classic duo. We aren't on a couch. Continue. But it's just nice to say, isn't it? To say words. Here we are back on the couch. Isn't that like what people say? Is that say? a saying? Yeah, like... What do you think of Troy Sivan's new... Isn't on the couch a psychiatry thing? I guess so. Maybe that's why I feel so comfortable. Right. Right. Because you're crumbling and I'm your helpful advisor. I really hope not. What were you about to ask me about Troy Sivan? Did you have you seen Troy Sivan's new music video for Rush? Of course. I have not. No, you no. haven't. No. But do you want to talk about it despite having no... No, I'm just curious. It seems like something that, that you would have seen and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about Thank it. Thank you. I did try to instigate a conversation about this with a couple of people, but then we got sidetracked by talking about The Idol, which I cannot keep doing to people. Yeah, what is The Idol? The I don't Idol. know what it is. <laughs> it's like a Sam Levinson and The Weeknd collaboration at, on, like, on HBO starring Lily Rose Depp, Johnny Depp's daughter. Yeah. She plays like a, like a Miley Cyrus, Britney Spears-esque pop star returning after hiatus due to her mother's untimely demise. Okay. And The weekend swoops in and kind of instigates in Lily Rose Depp's mansion like a cult-like collection of talented like singer-songwriter people. It sounds in like this, a good premise. It's so much about it could have been fantastic and it, like it sort of fixates on Lily Rose Depp's experience of sort of like being seduced by this greasy weekend character and then the damage that does to her psyche and then it's sort of like a game of manipulation but it's just atrociously written and it, it, everything I've seen about it is like a joke isn't there a line that's like there's so much semen from my penis that, whereas like his boots will overflow with cum I don't, I don't remember that being a sentence that gets said in the show but maybe it does the whole thing was just like this big like this, it was just a really atrociously told story in that the subject matter is so fascinating like one of the things that I think is reprehensible about it and that's that's me using a bit of hyperbole in terms of my language choice but I think yeah, yeah I just think the writing was bad in the way that it was like it dealt with such interesting subject matter so poorly that it made it boring Right. Which was something. It was like I didn't have the problems that a lot of people seem to have had about the show of it being like too graphically sexual or anything because I didn't especially find it to be myself. I just th- like I thought like a couple of times they tried to attempt some interesting things in terms of like eroticism and sensuality, mm. um, but no, I just thought like too few of the characters were people that it was enjoyable to spend any time watching do anything. That's never a good sign, is yeah, it? Yeah, no. And two, it's like even like in the final episode, there's like a. They, she she like is performing for a stadium of, like of people which they filmed during one of weekend like the weekend's tours. Oh wow! And it's like that's first th- like that was incredible to see in terms of, like it being just like the scope of that, but like, being able to see a setting like that is so hard to accomplish. And that kind of pointed to one of my sort of like unsatisfied elements of the experience of watching the show of it just being like what you wanted to talk about is so potentially gargantuan. Like if like some of what the creators have talked about in terms of the subject matter that they were trying to tackle was about talking about the music industry. Mm. Now like the music industry is gigantic, and you are not really saying anything big or small about the experience of being inside the music industry which from people like The Weeknd and like Mike something like a real producer that was in the show um, they shone so little interesting light on anything to do with the way that the industry functions like I could have guessed everything that we like quotation marks learned about that industry 
Um, and we also just didn't get, get to spend enough time watching Lily Rose Depp be great, because I thought she was quite impressive, but she spent more time naked than she did having like interesting dialogue to say. Oh, God. Okay. So, yeah. Sounds like the writers were idle. <laughs> yes, that's some fun use of homophones You're there, like James. That? Yeah, Thank really you. well done. Thanks but what much. were you asking about? Troy Svan's music video. Mainly I want to work up to have you seen that meme of the really skinny door. Yes. Yes. Which I... I yes. very funny. I saw that after watching the music video, and when I watched the music video, I was like, oh, like, it really... Because if you haven't seen it, it's like, it's just... What's, is that, Rush? Is that the name of the song? Yeah. And the really the music video itself is just like... Ugh. How many sexy parties can I go to? It's Yeah, it's just kind of like, uh, oh God, I don't know. And it kind of like, I didn't realize how much it was frustrating me until there were those shots of him, like at the end of the music video, like walking away, smiling to himself, thinking of the fun, sexy hijinks he just got involved with. And it's like, yeah, the whole music video was just sort of like this, like, like messy scrapbooky montage of just like hanging out with half naked sexy people and like dancing around and kissing in cars and, you know, having ab muscles. Yeah. And it's like, this is like gross in the way of like, It'd be one thing if it felt a little bit, like, sensationalist or a bit like, oh, isn't this, like, a fun kind of, like, representation of what people imagine these kind of, like, hyper-gay, hyper-sexual sexcapades to be like? Mm. But somehow with the way that, at least in my mind, and whoever this uh, crafted this resonant meme (laughs) must feel about it, too, of, like, the way that it brushes up against you know, contemporary just like discourse around body image and also gay culture, it doesn't feel like a helpful contribution to what we're doing. step. No, because all you really hit with is like, oh, yep, sure. It's like, it's it almost has echoes of the conversations that got instigated by when Taylor Swift was hanging out with all of those models. And she had oh. that, remember, it was like, I forget what time period it was, but it was like, it was like her and Cara Delevingne and uh, I forget, it was a Blake Lively. There was like a collection of like very thin, very white women that were all hanging out together. Yeah. And there was like 10 of them. And she got all of this flack because everyone was like, oh, it's just high school all over again. You're just being like this collection of mean girls, ignoring the fact that other people exist Mm. and you're making everyone feel bad. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow there's like echoes of that conversation resurfacing of like, it's not, there's something weird and elitist and gross about seeing a bunch of just really hot people having fun together in the way that it's like, I don't know, glorifying this clickiness amongst people who subscribe to beauty standards. Where is everyone else? Where are the other people? Where is everyone else? And why do you think it's fun for people that... Because that's a very slender pun, superintended and very well clever. Well done. A very slender portion of the population that fall into the demographic that you are exclusively representing. Mm. And how do you think it feels for everybody else? Because yeah. everybody else is, just mathematically, is probably going like, to be who is ingesting this media you're offering them. What is this supposed to be making them feel? There's not yeah. a lot of empathy to experience. Yeah, no, the more... Do you I want get... it to feel aspirational? Because that's a bit gross. It would be so nice if it was just a... If all the parties were just, like, big, messy parties full of people that look like everything. Sure. Like, that would be a really good message to send. It, it, for a more local reference, it sort of hark- it harkens back to um, that poof-doof photography brief that got leaked. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah that, that's what it made me think of. It was, of like, only, like, hi, your photographing poof-doof. Yeah. Only photograph only hotties. Skinny people, mm. no drag queens, mm. like, all of this stuff. Yeah, and it just made me feel, oh, well, are we back at this? Yeah. 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 It's a bit yuck. Do you have any other feelings about it? No, not yet. Like I say, I haven't watched the whole thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's a whole music video, so that's... Oh, I don't have, have the to, time! No, you've got to take some breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, no, I have, that's it. I've listened to um, Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo a lot. Disappointed? Or... I love it. 
I just didn't like the music video very much. Oh, I haven't watched the music video. Oh, sure. No, Maybe no, I that like would song. Yeah, I think the music video undercut my capacity to enjoy it to its fullest. But sure. it's good to have her back. Good to hear her swearing. Swearing's always yeah, fun. Yeah, good Out of Rodrigo. Olivia. Yeah. Some... What? You better say Olivia. I barely know her. Yeah, it was. But I very good. <laughs> no, I thought... And now just too... Now I am also connecting the thing of like... And we briefly talked about it too, when it was like this Troy Sivan music video connects kind of thematically to that Sam Smith music video. I was thinking about that as well. Right? Where, yeah. Where they're like, oh, they're old. I'm fat and I'm sexy, but none of my friends are fat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very disappointing. Yes. I, at the time, I didn't really think... I, at the time, I think I was on the side of, shut up, it's his fantasy. Um, scratch that. What? Cut it, Jake. What? What Cut you, it. What, 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 what's happening? I just used the wrong pronoun for Sam Smith. Mate, you can just say you meant they. That's fine. I did mean they. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe don't leave that whole thing where I beg you to cut I that. think people will relate to the struggle. No! <laughs> um, I, at the time, I was very much on Sam Smith's side of like, shut up, it's their fantasy. Yeah. Um, but no, in hindsight, as we say at the end of the podcast, I've changed my mind. And I, 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 I think it's important to have the representation in there. Sure. How's that for a bold thought? That's a fine thought. Thank yes. you. No, I completely do because it's like, it's also your, your, like, it's one thing to like privately wish that you just had a bunch of friends that were just like these, these hot models. Totally. Sure. You, yep. can, you can want, want that. that. Absolutely. You can pursue that. Mm. It's a bit embarrassing and shallow of you, but you are completely fine with, choose your values and then live them. Mm. That's fine. Mm. But to create media that goes out into the world. That's the thing that when projects you're a celebrity. These ideas mm. that are damaging and hurtful and quite antiquated. Mm. It's just a bit embarrassing and sad to be putting them out there. Yeah, you do have an obligation to your audience to really set some positive moral standings. And just to, like, the social consciousness, like, the collective ideas that are out there. It's like, Mm. why are we, like, resurrecting these old... I don't know, we've already had this wave of people being like, hot people are the best. How good are hot people? I was thinking about prosthetics the other day. Just in terms... Prosthetics, like, this... And I'm sure we've touched on it a little bit before when some sort of movie came out. I definitely had, like, a a couple conversations when that bombshell movie came out. Oh, yeah. That one about, like, Fox News and Roger Ailes and all that stuff. Don't know anything about it, but I know it exists. But that movie came out with, like... Like Margot Robbie and Nicole Kidman and Charlize Theron came out and it was they, they played all of these them and all this big ensemble cast of like moderately well-known celebrities playing all of these Fox News personalities right. and the prosthetics on show and it's been ever since a lot of these like Academy Award baity movies coming out where it's like like Colin Farrell puts on a fat suit and a fake oh, nose yeah, yeah, and plays Winston some, Churchill yes yeah. and it's like all that shit and it's like set aside the whole thing of like it doesn't matter what people look like but it's like we're happy for people to be ugly as long as they are secretly hot <laughs> oh totally yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah it's okay to, that's interesting I hadn't thought about that that's weird mm. would you want to wear some fun prosthetics i'd want to wear some fun prosthetics i love that that's what you want to talk about i yeah <laughs> no i don't okay <laughs> i just don't find them fun i find that all i think about is like jim carrey getting like tortured to look like the grinch and i just don't see the value like i think it's impressive oh, what yeah. people can achieve with prosthetics god jim carrey's done a lot of prosthetics hasn't he has he yeah the mask was that prosthetics some of it was a lot of the when you had the, the actual mask on it wasn't like doing a bunch of warping stuff yeah, okay it was a real mask that wasn't just a mask well, it was a prosthetic piece on his face. Okay. Because the actual, it was meant to be a part of his face. I watched a video on it. Of course. Of course. Oh, yeah. Um, How was your week, Jake? <laughs> I'm sorry, done still, with this. I'm not. I'm still just angry at Troy Sivan. Same. <laughs> same. I am as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it's not new. It's like, if you did no. that, like, it was, if it was 1997 and some young, hot gay guy I was making pop music. I wish we could music. go back to 1999. Yeah. Oh, God. It's one of the songs with Charlie XCX. What a strong way to end that discussion. Good. <laughs> no, I thought it was good to tie it up together with a reference. <laughs> Absolutely. Abs.
Absolutely. Gross. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Hot people having fun. It's like that just should the, be illegal. It's just also like what, like what grave are you dancing on? It's and just what are we celebrating this for? It's and it, I don't know in the way that sometimes you feel like those t- sorts of like fun, sexy bohemian parties are meant to be like a catharsis. It's like a collection of like model, beautiful people dancing mm. around. It's like what have you overcome? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're at like the top of the social pyramid. Yeah. What? Why what, are we celebrating? Yeah. This? What did you spend your week doing that now you have to be like, oh, let's just do drugs and dance in a factory. Probably a bunch <laughs> of more drugs and dancing in factories. <laughs> honestly. And it's a shame because I would love to live that life. Sure. You know, like I would totally. Mm-hmm. But I would hate to put it on a music video like that. Right. Well, that's interesting and telling. And thank you for being so open. Thank you. I'm a bold person. That's what I'm all about. Uh, my week, what happened? I guess a high point of it was I went to La Mama uh, with, with a beautiful New Zealand man. And we saw Pony Cam was doing... It's a part of the exploration season there. Yeah. Which is why we're not going to talk about this show as, like, its own, you know, segment of this program. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Because it's intended to be, like, an experiment with new work. Um, and it somehow feels, like, unfair and intrusive to unpack it when they aren't even done unpacking it. Totally. But, yeah, Pony Cam put on a show called Boobs in Space. Terrific. And Terrific name. Great name. And, yeah. Yeah, it was a cool time. It was nice. There was a nice amount of, like audience interaction like not involvement but interaction which was nice um a microphone was put at my mouth and i coped no yeah really i'm growing what can can i ask what was asked of you oh ava campbell she was doing like a true or false th- it was like a true or false sort of sort of question and answer thing with a few people in the audience right. and a question was asked of me and i responded appropriately wow. in the microphone Dang, i'm really proud of you thank you well done i get stronger every day mm. but yeah it was nice some high points being like it was fun to like think about playboy for a while i do like i do find like playboy interesting as a phenomenon sure and I the think... show was unpacking some of the themes of playboy is that what it was yeah doing? a little bit yeah, yeah right. partially yeah yeah um yeah so that was interesting it was interesting too it was like it was because i'd recently been doing some reading and listening and watching of like playboy related media and it was like interesting it was just one of those fortuitous things where mm. it's like something's on your mind then you somehow end up at a play about it Totally, yeah. Um, which I find happening surprisingly often to me. Well, so. you do read a lot. Sure, sure. You so are a nerd. Thank you. And yeah, yeah. so that was interesting. It was also, of course, just great to see like Pony Cam doing more things. I yeah. just enjoy seeing my pals do stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And was in good company. I liked the man next to me. So that was good. And then I had Italian food afterwards. With the man? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, right. And yeah, so that was fine. Um, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Do you, do you want to rate that experience or do you have more to add for mm-hmm. the week? I what am I going to do? I'm going to give it oh, I'll say twelve stars. Okay. Because there was a part in the Pony Camp show where there were some women, they were labelled one to twelve. It was a controversial moment in the piece. And that's all I'll say. Oh, oh! I like it. Twelve stars. Yeah? Good on you. Why do you love that? I don't know, twelve just feels like a good number. Okay. Because that's how many eggs come in a dozen. Eggs. Thirteen in a baker's dozen. A, 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 would you ever receive a baker's dozen of eggs? I guess if the baker had a chicken. I, yeah, maybe, but probably not. No, that was just in dough times. Dough times? Yeah, the baker's dozen, I think it came from Rome. From Rome? To make sure that the bakers weren't underselling their dough, they would have to make 13 rather than 12, because they were scared that they would make all the dough, all the like bread, a little bit smaller to get away with like selling less. So they were forced to make 13 in the dozen. Were bakers a crafty people? Apparently. Why were they the only ones suspected of shortchanging people? I don't know. You'll have to ask an ancient Roman. I will find one and I will. Hello, my name is Ptolemy. 
And you speak English with a Russian accent? Yeah, he is. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Time's a weird thing, Jack. Ptolemy's dead now. Because Ptolemy was a real historical figure as well. Yeah, he was like one of the Egyptian pharaohs. Okay. Well, one of the Roman Egyptian pharaohs. I have no idea what they were actually called, but he was like, when the Romans sort of put themselves into Egypt, and were like, we're going to be all over this now. I think Ptolemy was one of them. I'm reading a book about anti-Semitism at the moment. Yeah. And uh, it's by Barry Weiss, who I love. She's incredible. And she, yeah, it's, it, it, this portion of the book, she's talking about, it's like a, sort of like a brief rundown of the history of anti-Semitism and where mm. it came from. Mm. And one of the suspected roots of this very, very long-standing prejudice is this, it's based in Egypt and it's like, because with Passover being connected to the exodus of the Jews from Egypt. Yep. And people consider their celebration of Passover to be disrespectful to the beliefs of the people of Egypt because it's them, because part of Passover celebrations is them slaughtering a goat. And one of the major gods of the Egyptians is a goat. And it's kind of this fork in the road between their beliefs and the Egyptians considering the way that the Jews celebrated their holiday was kind of a, kind of like a soft core attack on the Egyptian belief system at the time. And that being one of the early days of anti-Semitism's oh. growth. Wow, there you go. Is something. That's a fun fact. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, not fun. Not fun. That's, a, that's an interesting fact. But it's, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And upsetting. But yeah, wild how like long ago that sort of stuff started. And prejudices can hang around. Prejudices can hang around. It's my, my statement. Yep. <laughs> yep. So 12 stars. Yes. Great. <laughs> Don't be an anti-Semite. 12 stars. <laughs> Good words. Yes. What about um, Thank you <laughs> Jesus Come on Don't do that shit Where Ask me <laughs> Ask you what How my week was <laughs> How was your week It was good Jake It was good Yes Um, Was it good <laughs> No I'm thinking Maybe it wasn't good mm-hmm. uh, Look I had a pretty shoddy Early week Yeah um, Yeah Work I'm enjoying work a lot Work's really fun yeah. Like I'm liking it Had a bad day on Monday <laughs> But that was fine Sorry, the phrasing of this just makes it sound as if, like, you don't have to work, you just now and then like to remember what it's like to be one of the downtrodden people that have to engage with capitalism. Oh, God, yeah. I prefer to be in my turret, but... I would love to be in my (laughs) turret, just looking in my orb and, you know... (laughs) That's all I want to be doing. We shouldn't be working, we should be living in a field. What do you think you'd be looking at in your orb in your turret? I, uh, is it like a What's real, your instinct? Is it like a real mystical orb? Or is it just a piece of glass? No, yeah, you know, you're not just a crazy person gazing into a circle of glass. Well, that's nice of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what would I be looking at in my orb in yeah. this magical world? And doing that thing where you like shudder your hands above the orb. I would be looking at. God, that's a big question. Probably like. I have no idea. What would I be looking at my orb? I don't know. I'm just thinking do you go through time? Do you go through space? I'd probably be going through time. Speaking of which, have you seen the trailer for the new Napoleon Bonaparte movie? I did, but it, I, I kept trying to watch it, but I kept getting bored and I kept not paying attention. Sure, okay. Which I, I think is a good sign. I think it looks good. I'm yeah. excited for it. I just like a period piece. Same, and it looks like the costumes look beautiful. Mm. The, the the setting looks amazing. I love Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like Ridley Scott. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a good time. How tall was Napoleon? Short. He was short. Well, is that like a like a like a propaganda like a wise? He was short. That I guess that'll be addressed in the new movie. Mm, I hope so. <laughs> um, I, I can't imagine how. Just a lot of him standing next to things that we know the size of. Yeah, a lot of scale related. There might be like maison scene. Ah, oh, here's this beautiful portrait of you, Napoleon. The painting is two meters tall. Stand next to it. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, I'd love to learn little factoids. That'd be nice. Do that. Just really? to backtrack for a moment Go to on. when you started doing the spell casting from Wicked. Yes, Elegant Armin. 
could you do it again? <laughs> Which is her bewitching the broomstick? I think it's her actually bewitching uh, Fiero to be a straw man. Oh. I think it's like, let his bones never break, let his... Isn't that one of the lines in the song? Let his bones never break, let his something never feel. Though they beat him, let him feel no pain. But is that just... But is that later on? Is it Alakanamanamanatumatumelekanathen? And no matter how hard they try to destroy him, let him never die, let him never die. Alakanamanamanatumatumelekanathen. Okay. I just wonder, like, how much of that... No, I guess it must be super scripted. It always sounds the same way. I just like the idea that... <laughs> I don't know, that Stephen Schwartz would just be like... <laughs> I don't know. Square bracket, does witchy, soundy spell yes. noises, close square bracket. No, I think it's very much scripted Elikanaman. Oh, like, I just like, wish it, like, Gemma Ricks could have just been going like, Shakadabaka! <laughs> <laughs> binky dinky yeah, that would be fun. Everyone has their own take on it. Yeah! What would yours be, Jake? I don't know. I think it's almost exemplified by when we do our chanting after praising Dionysus <laughs> at the start of this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but it could be like a fun chance. I just think it's nice when theatre's kept alive by those sorts of on-the-night choices. Totally, yeah. What's like the most most lasting or well-known on-the-night choice that you know of? Oh, God. Um, Do you have an answer immediately? No. God, I don't know. I go, my mind lazily goes straight to that thing of like that rather, I don't know, at this point, almost a trope thing of like it being a two-hander, but then they swap roles every second night. Oh, totally. That yeah, type yeah, of yeah. thing. Like, yeah. Well, almost that show that you, um, oh God, what was it? Uh, can't remember now, but it was like a few weeks, like last week, the week before you spoke about where they just have the set on and there's no like blocking. Oh, the production of Death of a Salesman. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's a that's a funky way of keeping it fresh. Yes, which they are now about to do with Anthony LaPaglia in a different theatre, like a whole different theatre. Yeah, I saw that. Isn't that at yes. like the other name, or am I making that up? I feel like it might be at Her Majesty's. Sure, Jesus. Is it? I mean, or maybe it's just the poster is on Her Majesty's. No, I seem to remember it was like a big theatre like that because I remember thinking that's a big space yeah. for a play like that. But yeah, but also two. I don't know how many twos it is. Two, 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 two is about to what open. What the fuck are you talking? Her about? Majesty's Daniel McPherson, one of the most handsome men I've ever seen in my life okay. is in 222 I don't know it's written in like digital clock writing and Ruby Rose is in it from The Meg oh. have you seen The Meg no but they're doing The Meg 2 are <laughs> they you happy are. are you so happy we <laughs> haven't spoken about that when yet. I saw the poster for The Meg 2 I felt like I don't know how people felt when they saw like Barbie was coming <laughs> I'll come and see it with you I'll you come will. and see it yeah I'll come and see The Meg 2 with you you need to acknowledge you need to know that it's a big deal for me no it and is I need you to, I need you to take that on board if we are yeah. going to go under the sea together I'll come with you Okay, as long we'll as you respect, it's, it's sacred text to me. Totally. So it's a big deal. Totally. No, no, <laughs> I'll respect it. I think the trailer looks quite good. I haven't seen the trailer yet. Oh, are you going to or are you going to just go in blind? Oh, no, I'm too excited. I'll watch the trailer. Yeah, it's pretty good. It looks oh, pretty good. Is yeah, Ruby yeah. Rose in the sequel? I cannot remember now. I don't remember going, oh, Ruby Rose. So maybe not. Okay. Yeah, but I know, Um, is it, who's the main guy? Jason Statham. He's definitely in it. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great. Uh, my week has been good. Yes. Uh, Monday was bad. Tuesday was okay. Wednesday was fine. Uh, Thursday, not bad. <laughs> you should bright. write novels. This is really vivid. The, okay. I've written three novels. Uh-huh. They're all uh, fan fiction of Harry Potter. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Don't expect that joke to be funnier. Um, <laughs> but I went out uh, with the, like a bunch of staff for like drinks the other night. And I forgot. I haven't been. I, I dear listeners, have been socially inept for the past several years before COVID as well um, just bad at going out and I, I went out recently with some with a bunch of work friends for like a bunch of the graduate nurses leaving and I just drank a bunch and I forgot that I can't drink anymore mm-hmm. like I felt so poorly the next day mm. and then I had to go to a family lunch and I had to wake up at like 9am and make uh, a curried egg sandwiches to take to this family lunch 
and it nearly killed me. <laughs> it nearly killed me. You're very brave and strong. I'm a brave, strong person. Mm. But that was quite nice. The actual mm. drinks were lovely. Uh, and then last night I watched Twilight with Flynn. Okay. And who did you watch it with? Flynn, my Bing. boyfriend. My boyfriend. You are... I have a boyfriend. We've been together for two years. Two years. Oh, two years. So, and you've never watched Twilight together. Never before. watched Twilight. I've never watched it full stop. Oh, oh wow. actually, that's fake. I watched it like way back when it came out once, and I never watched it again. I completely forgot about it. Ah. Uh, so now uh, we've watched it. We're going to start watching the rest of the Twilight movies. Exciting. And it was so awful, but so great. What was awful? The movie Twilight. I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> it was just every scene was just a baffling cinematic uh, choice was made. Or, like, the writing was weird, or the acting was bizarre, or just the way they sort of even stood the characters. Really weird movie. Mm. Really weird film. Like, the fact that they're, like, all in relate, all the vampires are in relationships with each other, but they're also pretending to be, like, brothers and sisters. It's yes. just, I just felt, like, weird about it. Sure. Okay. Um, and we also watched the Steven Universe movie. Okay. I love Steven Universe, Jake. I love it so much. Okay. And I'd never seen the movie, so we watched it last night, and that was really good. Okay. So I'd give my week, like, a 48 stars, because okay. that's how many times I had to stop and ask, what the fuck is going on during Twilight? It Was that confusing it to was you? Not confusing, just like, is this meant to be taken at face value, or is it a parody? <laughs> you know? It's it, like that sort of vibe. It was like when I watched, um, I watched recently Angus Snogging first royal... Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging? Yeah, for the first time recently. Yeah. And I so often was like, is this a, like, a serious movie, or is it like a parody? Because I loved it. I really did. Great. But so much of it felt like it felt like someone was writing, like, um, what are those movies that are, like, the disaster movie or, like... Uh, like a spoof film. Like a spoof film. It felt like I a don't like saying film. spoof. <laughs> I know you don't. But I do love I the love genre. I love spoofing. Oh, um, great genre, though. Great genre. Great genre. And it felt like it was a part of that genre. So Twilight felt like a part of that genre as well to me. Interesting. Like epic movie or something. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Meet the Spartans. Meet the... Yeah, exactly. One of my favourites. One of your favourite films. Yes. Um, yeah. So... Yeah. Sure. So, All right. Uh, shall we talk about theater? Theater. Theater. Okay, we can try that. Thank you so much. Okay. Hi, Jake. Hi, James. How are you? Pretty good. That's good. I went to the theater. Go on. I went to the MTC, <laughs> the South Bank Theater at the oh. Sumner. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, and I saw a show there. Mm. I saw Is God Is. Okay. And I'll tell you, I don't know if God Is. Is. No, I was going to have a joke there, but I didn't think too far ahead. Well, is you have is... no time to formulate one. You <laughs> <laughs> only had, what, a couple days? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm not that smart. Um, what did you think the title meant going in? No idea. I thought it was going to be, like, a religious show. I, I, I purposely didn't look up much about the show. But even semantically, what did you think... Is God is is not how... Well, I know that it's by... Um, hang on. I know that it's by... It, it, it's the director of the show... Uh, is the pair of Zinzia Kenyo and Shari Seven. So I knew it was by the same people that made Seven Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner. Okay. I knew it was a show of a black story about people of colour. Uh. So I knew that Is God Is, I thought maybe it was going to be something like... I don't... I, 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 my brain told me that I wouldn't know until I saw the show. Okay. So I just purposely didn't really think about it too much and just Great. said, I'm just going to watch it. Uh-huh. And so we went along... <laughs> I consciously did no thinking. Exactly. <laughs> Good. Which is something I've been doing a lot of recently. I'm going to recommend it. It's great. Um, so went along, sat on down. Yep. Uh, the show is written by Alicia Harris. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it was at the, in the Sumner space at the South Bank Theatre. Yes. Uh, and we sit on down. Mm-hmm. Who's we? Flynn. And me. Right. Flynn and I. The guy from Twilight. The guy... What? The guy, the guy who I saw Twilight with. Yes. yes. There it is. Um, Flog and I yes. went along and saw the show. Mm. Uh, we sat on down. 
in the MTC Sea of Why Life. are you telling the story so slowly? Did something? <laughs> this is how you tell stories, Jack. <laughs> Have you ever listened to yourself? <laughs> just yourself. We're already sitting in the theater with you. It's usually like we had Italian. Now we're sitting in the. So we sat on that. Like I'm being you at the moment. Okay. <laughs> Don't come for me like this. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that is fair. It's been like, no five sentences. It just, it just felt like you said... I didn't have a problem with it. I thought maybe you were avoiding saying something. Or like no. you weren't ready for your next thought, so you just dwelled on sitting down. I have said sitting down three times. I'll yes. give you that. Okay. So we all. are at this point By all means, down. go as slow as you want. So we walk into the theatre. Yes. We sit on down. Yeah. <laughs> we're sitting there. Yeah, on seats, right? On so... I'd call them seats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ones that like fold down. Oh yeah. yeah, the ones that are trying to clam ya. <laughs> Let's just move the fuck on. Okay. Um, and the show begins. Yeah. Uh, the set is it's like this really interesting set piece. So one thing before we went into the show, there was in the foyer upstairs the set piece that they used for the rehearsals, mm-hmm. and it's this little sort of cubby house looking thing, like this little. It almost looks like like a like a like a shed. Like a, it's it's a, got four sides and a roof, mm. and each side has a completely different setup. Like one of them's got these two double doors that open. One of them has this like a single door. One of them has blinds, and so it sort of gives us an idea of like what they use for. The, it's the only set piece in the show, mm. um, so we know nothing about the show. It starts, and the first thing that happens is uh, this this character walks out from the side of the stage, and they've got a house on their head, like this little uh, like like tiny little house on their head, covering their entire face. And there's like smoke billowing out of the windows. Ooh. Like it's one of the most, it was such a cool image to open on. Hmm. Um, with the, the the backdrop of this whole thing, the lighting designer Jenny Hector did a really good job. So it's like this b- beautiful wafting, almost like chiffon material mm-hmm. hanging from the very top of the roof diagonally to form a V all the way to the back of the space. And very like softly backlit. And this is projected on the entire show. So it's this gorgeous ever wafting sort of presence in the show and so ever waft (laughs) I just wanted to say ever waft what would that be (laughs) oh a perfume ever waft oh waft I know waft is a little bit farty I wasn't gonna say that word ever in my life farty 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 um so let's move on from that let's please um yeah so house on fire stands there for a bit walks off ah and then the show really starts, and we're introduced to the main, the two main characters, Anaya and Racine, mm-hmm. who are sisters. Mm-hmm. They both have horrible and impressively done burn scars all over them. Oh god! Yeah, um, Anaya has more. Um, she's taller. She's more sensitive as the show goes on, and she's generally quieter. Racine is angry, shorter, and has less burns going on. So okay. that's the dynamic going on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> One is more burnt, one is less burnt. That's, that's the dynamic going on. Yeah. <laughs> cool. um, the show ends up being the story of revenge. So okay. the basic, just to give you the basic premise of the show, mm. um, Ana- Anaya and Racine are introduced to their mother, um, who is played by Cecily Stovall, um, who they haven't seen for ages for some mysterious reason we're not quite sure of. Um, and they find where she's living and they are beckoned to, to her by their mother, mm-hmm. and who they call God. So they refer to their mother as God the entire show mm-hmm. because she made them and now she gives them a quest. So they come along to meet her and, and basically the quest is you need to kill your father because he did this to me. Mm. And I've got to go and just right away go to my favourite scene of the whole show. Yeah. So they spin the house around and the whole time this show works they move this set around to the next piece. It's literally like they're turning the house that they grew up in around to sort of 
different, like everything is contained in this one house because mm. the show ends up being about family violence and abuse. Sure. And the, the the doors, the double doors open, and Cecily is there in this hospital bed. She's it's that that clever trick of you know Rocky Horror does that trick of like the standing up bed, and you mm. get into the bed and you're sort of like it looks like you're lying down, but mm-hmm. you're, yeah. So she's in this hospital bed. And the doors open, and the doors are filled with candles and lit with blue neon, and the light goes down, and there's smoke coming onto the stage. She looks like a tarot card. Mm. And she then gives this incredible monologue about how the fire actually happened, and how it was actually started by their father, this evil man who she had been separated from, but then climbed in through this window. And she then paints the picture of it happening, and it was horrifying. Like, it, it was... The language she employed and the way Cecily just gave this, it was it felt truly like this sort of oral storytelling tradition of just, here's what happened and and here's what I felt during it and you're going to listen to this horrible traumatic history. Um, so that was just straight away the most captivating part of the whole show for me and I just wanted to start with that because it very mm. much set the tone of this show. The whole show felt like... Like a religious parable, or like a like a fairy tale mm. being told, like a like a Brothers Grimm fairy tale being told from the point of view of this black family going through life and just being unable to catch a fucking break. Mm. So we then follow Racine and Anaya on this sort of odyssey of trying to track down their father because they're given the quest by their mother that they have to kill him, mm. and if there's blood, that's good. She just wants him dead. And it's this bizarre sort of moral quandary of who's in the right here? And are they correct to be sort of pursuing this? And who are we to tell them not to? And then the show proceeds to be them sort of tracking down their father, finding their father. Their father has sort of moved on with this new family. And then they sort of unravel all of that. But but throughout the whole show... Um, Anaya played by Henrietta Amevor and Racine played by Masigo Pizzo was just this fantastic duo who really complemented each other in, as I said earlier, so Anaya is the shorter and as the show continues is constantly referred to as the more sensitive one, Mm. um, which she sort of takes as an offence and Racine is always seen as the angry one and she's the one that instigates a lot of the violence that goes on in the show. And the two of them together are just such a fun pair to watch. And then with Cecily being their mother, I don't know, it just felt so correct. Um, the, I went, the violence. So I'm going to jump around a lot. The violence in this, sh- there's there's a lot of onstage violence. Mm. It's, it's almost like a Tarantino film on stage. Okay. And the, 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 one of the things they use throughout the show is this sock with a rock in it mm. and she's Racine often swings it around and then beats people with it okay. and there's something so visceral and simple about it being just literally her sock with a rock I, it felt because it's a sock because, because it's because it felt like it ticked a few boxes for me it ticked like it felt like it was almost like a sling like you know David and Goliath uh, With David and Goliath and the sling, it's like, is it like a slingshot? It's a where, slingshot. Where he like holds the rock and then he flicks it around and then the momentum sends the rock yes. forwards? Yes, That's exactly. That's David and Goliath. That's David and Goliath. Yeah. And he brought uh, the G- Goliath down by hitting him in the head with a rock. Yes. And, that's and what Samson it's like. died because he got a haircut? Oh! Is that Samson and Delilah? Samson and Delilah. Wasn't Delilah like, wasn't she like sleeping around and then wasn't she like the first adulterer? Was that her? I don't know, but the point is, 
And that was the origin of Tangled, if I understand myself. That was the... Yes. 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 They had a chameleon and everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. We, mm-hmm. we did we that. nailed that. Un- <laughs> good. Bible shut. Bible, well, no. Bible open, Jake. Because Back this, okay. this story, to me, felt like it fit into that sort of context of, you know, they've got a sock in a rock. Mm-hmm. They've been given this murder quest. It felt very, like, first a rock book and a sock. Bible. Sorry, I, I got stuck because the words were the wrong way around. A rock and a sock. What did I say? I think you said rock. a sock and a rock. Not important. Continue. We play the tape. <laughs> um, a sock. Yeah, I would have said. I it just rolled out of my mouth then. A rock and a sock. Yes. Yep. Um, it just felt. Yeah, it felt like a parable. It felt like a, like this this ancient story being told in modern times. Mm. Yeah, I just really appreciate the special effects makeup as well. Mm. Got a kudos to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, horrible to look at. Oh. Like no, no. Like in a way that was like. That must be so hard to go through life with those burns. Sure. And and the sort of the relationship these two sort of had. And then, so this it starts with the two of them applying cream onto their burns together. Yeah. And they're sort of unraveling the sort of speaking in the third person about themselves. Like Racine will say things like, Racine is shorter, Racine is angrier, and Anaya sort of says things about herself in third person as they sort of slowly look after each other and dab this cream onto their burns and then try and hide as much of it as they can and talk about a boy and talk about things that girls should be talking about and then they're pulled onto this quest to just annihilate themselves and who they are Mm. Um, another really great visual motif of this show so I looked up afterwards I read more about the show it draws from like western motifs as, as a lot of what it wants to get across. Western, like country western? Country western, like... Okay. Um, and when uh, Cecily, as their mother, as God, is telling this story of the man doing this awful thing to them all, there's this, like... At the, those um, wafty... Ever-waft backdrop. <laughs> On the projection, this man slowly walks across. And um, it's uh, the man or their father, played by Kevin Copeland... And he's just, throughout the entire show, he's one of those characters who you don't see. Mm. But he's always spoken about. He's always just off stage. He's always sort of this ever-omnipotent force. Almost like the devil in this show. If their mother is God, then their father's the devil. And he sort of has this cowboy hat on. And his silhouette is just so magnificent in striking these sort of um, western country poses. And he struts across the stage... And then at the end, towards towards the end of the show, they finally meet him. And he just has this incredible voice that is just so deep and resonant and terrifying that just, it paid off. Because often I feel like with these characters that are off stage the whole time, I love a character who's never on stage. Mm. I love a character who's only spoken about and referenced and you can feel their presence. And so when they do this for a show and then he comes on, they, I feel like you run the risk of like, oh... That's the character that you're talking about. Sure. But this time, I, I felt really truly like this, like, Kevin really lived up to the bit and had this awful, unstoppable presence of just this abusive father that has gotten away with everything. Um, and so, I don't want to say too much about the end of the show because there, there will this show will go on. Um, but the, the culmination of that, I think, paid off really well for them. Hmm. Um, the... The fact that this show is being done at all is really exciting. Like, at MTC. It's MTC's... Now, here's something. It's MTC's first all-black production, is what they've said in the MTC. Okay. Now, I'm not sure if that means the entire cast... Well, the entire cast is uh, people of colour. I'm not... I know that the writers, the directors, were all people of colour. I got to a point where I was like, I I don't want to start 
looking all these people up to be like, are you people of colour? Because that felt like it was a list that I didn't want to start writing. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just... But... but you know what I mean? Yes. But I think it's really exciting that MTC has done this because it's the first time. It's the first show of its kind to be done on an MTC stage. Yeah. And it really breaks the ground for more and more shows of this type to be told to mm. wider audiences. Mm-hmm. And stories that a lot of this MTC audience, a lot of this MTC uh, audience wouldn't have ever had an opportunity to see a story like this before, especially if they just go to see MTC shows. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So it was it was exciting because I also like this is a story that I'm not familiar with and the sort of because it is a, a American um, setting it's they haven't Australianized it at all they haven't tried to recontextualize it it's a deeply southern black story and it's one that I don't necessarily relate to but I want to know more about and I want to see more of because it pushes me out of my comfort zone and it pushes the MTC audience out of its comfort zone into like things that. I hope can be more normalised and can be more spread across the norm. Totally, yeah. So, and it gets them familiar with seeing things that they aren't familiar with seeing. And it well, makes exactly. them more capable like, of... Having seen Jackie before and now this, yeah. it, it, it's really exciting that MTC is doing all this. So I just thought that was great and I hope the momentum stays up. Yeah. Um, I hope this directorial pair do more because I didn't get to see Seven Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner. Mm. But I think the discourse that was generated by that show was really worthwhile even yeah. though it was you know, uncomfortable and some of the things that happened were fairly shocking. Yes. I think the fact that they happened means that more people are talking about it. Mm. Um, and there are precedents set and presumably yes. behaviour will improve is the hope, I suppose. I suppose, because if it doesn't, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, also touching on spe- what we spoke about earlier of like shows being kept fresh and different. Mm. Um, I did some reading and this show... Um, Alicia Harris didn't include a lot of stage directions... A lot of the show, uh, the, the, the actual um, lines themselves and whatever few stage directions there are, are just written in different typefaces and different sorts of, t- like, um, what is topo- topography is not the right word, that's, that's geography. Written in different fonts and sizes to sort of emphasise what she wants to get across, but it also means the actors can really read into it and take what they want the character to mean, mm. which I thought was an interesting way of doing it. Um, and came across in, in terms I, it, I, I just think that's a really funky way of, I just, I've never heard of someone doing that oh sure yeah yeah. I think it was Paula Vogel did like a, a speech about I'm quite sure it was Paula Vogel talked mm. about uh, the different like I think there's three different plasticities of Ooh. mode when it comes to now hold the fuck up and say what plasticities means plasticities oh like a capacity like something's capacity to be like molded and shaped like you know how people talk about neuroplasticity yes and the way that your brain can change its like the, its neuronal pathways mm-hmm. um, yeah plasticity of uh, one of the three pl- I'm quite sure it was three plasticities one of which was about the way that the text exists on the page wow and she gave a few examples of ways that people play with the uh, representation of a script on even just on the paper itself wow. which isn't a thing that I had really given a lot of thought to in the way of like oh you just kind of like write how you write and it's on mm. the page and you take the page and make it into a play mm. but she gave this really sort of like really interesting memorable evocative example where it was like this person handed in a script for some reason and she was I think she was teaching the student that wrote this script at the time and it was like the first page of the script was like a man sits at a table in his house and then there's nothing and then there's like seven empty pages and then you get to like the eighth page and then it's like he continues to sit there in silence and then there's like eight more pages of nothing wow and then I think the next page is like he's the last man on earth 
and then there's like 20 more pages. Whoa. And then there's a new page and it says, there's a knock at the door. And it's like, huh? That's terrific. Yeah, right? But also very expensive for that few words. I don't know where you're getting your scripts printed, but it's not that expensive. I get them printed at the gold printer. The gold printer. You're printing yeah, under gold. gold. <laughs> I'd recommend you stop doing that. Oh, I'll go with silver then. Fine. Um, but yeah, but that too. Yeah, just yeah. an example. As yeah, that's a really great example. I love that example. Sure. That's great. Um, but I just thought, yeah, I thought that was nifty, and I thought it allowed the actors to sort of really get their claws into it and 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 develop their own characters from that. Um, I also really like the way the show kept upping the ante with the violence and the intensity of what happens in the actual story. Mm. It gets more and more, and I feel like it was a really satisfying build. Like, it was... Because these two characters, surprise, surprise, end up killing a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Racine is sort of more on the side of getting for that, and Anaya is takes a little bit more to be convinced, but watching these two characters sort of slowly commit more and more atrocious things and get drawn into this world of violence, it sort of just really highlights the... One of the messages of the show, I think, which is, is, is revenge worth it if it destroys morally who you are as a person? Because we got to the end of the show and I was finding it really difficult to justify either way, whether they shouldn't be doing it or should be doing it, because their father was so awful. Mm. And obviously violence is not the answer, but if you've been tasked by your mother who you see as God to go on this mission to destroy this evil devil man who ruined your life, wouldn't you? Mm. Um, and I thought it was really it, it ended in a really morally grey way that I appreciated of I'm not sure who was in the right mm. um, when you say violence isn't the answer are you saying that the in this particular circumstance violence isn't the answer or are you saying generally speaking you don't believe violence I, is I, the I personally generally don't think violence is the answer ever sure um, and I'm going to stick to that okay thank you very much why mm. do you think violence can sometimes be an answer I think if the question is I'm about to kill your family with an axe and I have a little knife in my hand I'm going to try to stab you yeah sure okay <laughs> there you go so I guess yeah actually that's a really good point because that almost feels like what these two characters would have been seeing it as sure yeah um, I think violence is an answer I would say violence... oftentimes it isn't the best one <laughs> violence is an energy violence is an energy it's a Green Day lyric oh okay uh, yeah, but no, I'm really excited. This show really excited me because it's, it's, it is it does feel like it's quite groundbreaking and it is exciting to see the MTC get a breath of fresh air and start really including some more diversity in their seasons. Cool. Yeah, because I think diversity breeds a lot of interesting storytelling and it's always a way forward for creative art. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're like, that's a succinct point. Diversity is a way forward for what? For, creative art, Jake. For creative art. <laughs> yep, yeah, I'm going to stick with that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is got is? I don't know, but I'll tell you what isn't. No, I still don't have one. No, I still don't have it. Get back to me, get back to also, me. There's not a question mark at the end of is got is, is there? No, I don't think there is, but I like to think of it as a question. <laughs> a question to which there was a wonderful theatrical answer. Ooh! There we go. There's the sentence you were looking for. Put that in the age. Beautiful. Hey, James. Hi. Hello, have you been to the testing grounds before? Uh, I have. Are you lying? Well, I've been tested before. For what? Monkeypox? Chlamydia. My monkeypox vaccine dot is still there. Is it? Let me see. Yes. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> it's there somewhere. You're looking at freckles, Jake. <laughs> no, I know the difference between freckles and my monkeypox vaccine. Maybe it's gone now. 
a couple of days ago, but was still there. Oh, that's, yeah, like, that's like a year of monkeypox vaccine. That's a year of monkey bo- monkeypox vaccine um, working in your body. How do you know that? Because that's what it means. That's what it means? I work in a hospital. Oh my god, I could say that this rock keeps tigers away, but you don't see any tigers, do you? Yeah, because it keeps it away. <laughs> anyway, I went to the testing grounds. So what is the testing grounds? The testing grounds, it's like, as far as I can tell, it's two things. So it's like, that's why there's an S on the end. I like it, I like it. There's one portion of it that is outdoors, which is where I went to... This is an esoteric reference for no one. I went to that launch at the yeah. recent Fringe Festival. Yes. When I went to see... Do you remember... I don't know if you listened to the episode where I discussed gods, that, like, sexy circus. Yes, I, went I with, did. I went with Connor Dariol. Yes, I did. I remember. That that outdoor portion of land near Victoria Markets where there was a a bunch of circus tents, one of which had sexy god circus in it. Okay. That's one of... That's Testing Grounds, the outdoor version. Right. Then, right across the street, there's this, like, yellow, empty, like, warehouse building thing mm-hmm. that's also Testing Grounds. Sure. So it's got, like, two spaces. Yes. Great. Cool. <laughs> and you went to the indoor one. The indoor one. Hey, went inside of a door. Yes. I went by myself to a show. It is called This Is My Body, and it is by Luke Macaronis. Great. Yes. <laughs> uh, went and went inside. <laughs> I see you what see you mean. What I mean? Now. Yeah, good, okay. <laughs> I did already know what you meant, yes. but it's good to see it in action <laughs> immediately. <laughs> the show proceeded to be. <laughs> so I went in, was greeted by a lovely person at the door, and then which could be Sarah Fagan, I'm not sure, or Sarah Fagan, sure. just based on like the, the credits that I've read of the show. <laughs> but whatever it was, this person was super lovely at the door. Oh lovely. Then went inside, they went with the classic like not classic, the classy move. And the move that I think is great. You oh, went with a classy move. No, I didn't do anything classy. Oh, okay, great. Thank no, you. but they, they went with the classy option of like, part of me being welcomed into the space was, there are some trigger warnings for the show. They are on these pieces of paper on these chairs. You can read them if you want to. Yep. Huge yep. advocate for that type of behaviour. That's a good one. That was good. So, of course, walked right past them because I'm very brave. Got triggered. <laughs> <laughs> was angry. <laughs> oh, I cried. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, sorry. Went in, walked past, and then was suddenly just in this big open room. This space is so great. I've been there, I think, two other times for different shows in this space, and it's just so incredible. Like it just feels like they've taken like a like a a, a building that used to be made for like manufacturing fabrics or something, or I don't know. It feels like a, a, I don't know. It's like it's from rent or something. It's, it's a warehouse. Just, it's like a it's a warehouse, but it's yes, and it's got like character without having too much character to overpower something that you're going to put into it. Somehow oh, it's somehow it has a lot of character but a lot of neutrality. It's just really great for artistic exploration. Oh, good. Went inside. The, they were like, so we're in this sort of like quite large, long room and there's seats set up traversely. Like it's just one row of seats facing another row of seats. Like that's all you've got. Sure. And there's probably room for maybe like 30 of us to be in there. Oh, 30 sure. to 50 people. Mm-hmm. And I arrive maybe like 10 minutes before the show starts. Just to let you know the details. You can't see, but Jake's doing a lot of gestures with his hands. I'm telling a story. There we go again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so went in and sat there, and then what I'm immediately met with is, like, the people around me also sitting in these seats, and, uh, there's, like, an altar on my left. An altar? An altar. So it's, like, a big, sort of fancy-looking table, mm-hmm. and on it, there's, like, incense burning, and there's a bunch of fruit, and there's other stuff. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Think with your brain. <laughs> there's fruit. <laughs> there's and what's also happening. So just imagine there's an altar with a clutter of things atop it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And then I'm sitting quite close to that. And then also in the center of the two, which is more important than me describing fruit vividly, is Luke Macaronis. 
full-on stranger to me, and he's, like, crouching in the middle of the space, like, washing fruit in a bucket, and then placing the fruit delicately atop the altar. Sure, so he's coming over to the altar, putting the fruit on, going back to the bucket? Yeah, <laughs> and wiping more fruit, and then continuing the cycle. Great, I just wanted to know. Yes. <laughs> I know nothing of this man. I, I only found out, through, like, about this show through conversation with people. Like, it was very much a thing of, like... Thank God I was talking to this person about this thing at this point because the moment oh. they described what this show was, I was like, this subject matter sounds so fascinating to me. Oh. And I wouldn't have known about this had I not, you know. What a special and old school way to come across a show. Absolutely. It felt very underground. Yeah. The whole thing felt that way. Just like, oh, it was cool to like be with people that were seeing a show that felt off the beaten track. Yeah. And something that, yeah, felt kind of just like we were all kind of sharing this really interesting secret together in oh, a way. Of, like we all found this show together. Uh, it was really, but that was part of what added to the magic of this experience. Mm. Yeah. So I'm like looking at Luke, like wiping this fruit and I'm like, <laughs> I guess because of that being the backstory as to how I found this show, I was like, oh, is this just going to be like some like hyper handsome, really rude, like British genius? Is it going to be that type of, I don't know if that's a thing that anyone recognizes. Do you? <laughs> I was going to say, is this a running trope in your life? Somehow it felt like it was. Like, is this just going to be like, <laughs> I don't know why I ascribed a level of exoticism to him. I just assumed he was some sort of like incredible European import that was going to be just like, in, like very talented, but also somehow simultaneously very smug and rude. <laughs> sure, that seems like a sensible assumption. It's not. I'm sure that's just born of some type of I don't know d deep anxiety, where it's like I don't know you, me, <laughs> anxiety. <laughs> not I. Not who couldn't be. <laughs> So you were scared of this man because he had not said anything and you assumed he was an evil European. Based on nothing but Terrific maybe style. his posture? <laughs> yeah, Europeans stand up and they love to wash fruit. It's possible I'm a fool. <laughs> no comment. But anyway, so then, then uh, the show gets closer to the beginning. It becomes obvious that everyone's kind of there. And then we each get handed by Luke one of those pamphlets that you get at the start of a church service or like at the beginning of a funeral or something, just oh, to sure. keep it light. You know, nice, good <laughs> those pamphlets that are like, oh, they, they, these are the hymns. This is how the structure of the mass oh, is sure. going Did to it have work. like hymns in it? Uh, well, that's the thing. The opening hymn was, I want to break free that song. Oh, oh. Which I thought was funny. So it had like the lyrics to that song. And then we all sang the song like together at the oh. beginning of this thing because it didn't hit me until I got handed this pamphlet by Luke, which was the moment of relief because when he handed me the pamphlet, he seemed so sweet. Oh, that's nice so that was nice and so he then, also said g'day mate yeah, yeah no it was just like very like I don't know he had this like warm eye contact and like this Lovely. gentle like you know I don't know body movement-ness bearing in mind he is acting yes I know that but I thought <laughs> at least at that moment it felt like I was seeing the true him sure. and it made me less afraid of him sure whatever which, works for you I Jake. was worried I'd be scared of him the whole time yeah it's like a one like a one person show that is I didn't want to spend the whole thing scared, especially if it was going to be like quite like intimate in terms of like and how close we were. Along. <laughs> Thankfully, oh, there was only one sing along portion. Okay, good. Which is good, and I did very very quietly sing along with the rest of the congregation as we sang. I wanted to break free. I'm impressed. Jeff. Thank you, especially by yourself. Going to a show. Going to a show by yourself and then joining in on a sing along. That's the thing. That I was partly envious of like this trio of gals directly to my right. They had each other to like giggle totally. with. Totally. Yes. Yes. I had no such giggle chums. Oh, Jake. Well, <laughs> that wasn't meant to elicit pity. Well, it did. Most <laughs> things you do do. Thank 
you. Hmm. <laughs> um, yes. It was also cool, too. It's like, I think, and this is maybe like a relic of my very brief stint studying high school teaching. It was helpful, too, to have like a structure, like looking at this like a pamphlet, pamphlet thing. It kind of telling you how much of the show was left and what was going oh, to happen next. We've spoken about this before. We, I, we love a marker of time. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. So that was like, that was yeah, a nice ingredient of the whole thing. And yet it didn't hit me until I received this pamphlet from Sweet Eyes Luke that it was like, this is my body being a recognisable phrase from, like, the Catholic Church service. Holy shit, that didn't click to me at all. Right? No, me either. And I was like, oh! Because for some up until that moment, I'd been like, okay, I'm going to see a show called This Is My Body. I, for some reason, concocted this idea that it was going to be, like, somehow there's, like, <laughs> inter- interrogation and celebration of one man's relationship with his body, and he was going to almost, I don't know, somehow, like, body part by body part invite us to comprehend his oh. corporeal form. The sense that maybe it was gonna be a man using his body like a theme park and we were gonna like gonna go on all the rides together. I don't know what I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Is that a dream you had? I just dream I had. For some reason, I don't know, I just developed my sure. own pitch for the show. That's not what it was. Thankfully, I enjoyed Thankfully. this version. Great. So it's so it's more religious. More uh in in terms of like jumping off point for sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we sung the hymn together, and then, yeah, then there was, like, a bunch of audience participation, but, like, yeah, I know, yes, <laughs> I, I don't know if you heard James's inner shudder. There but was that, a fear, fear yes. that just went through me. Yes, but, yeah, no, but in the way of, like, again, very grateful that Luke seemed so warm and, like, kind and compassionate in the way that he would involve people in what was going to happen. Sure. Um, so there was, like, a... Like a bread and wine portion, because of course, if you're not, you know, well schooled in <laughs> how like Catholicism functions, mm-hmm. there's a portion of the Catholic. I think I don't know how many other branches of Christianity do this, but certainly in the Catholic Church, the one in which I was immersed for 13 mm. years, there's like a portion <laughs> in like three quarters of the way through the Mass during like the the transubstanti- transubstantiation, which I never say correctly the first time I try to say it. The transubstantiation part. Two times. Thank you of the Catholic Mass, where they take the bread and the wine, or like the little crackers and the wine, <laughs> and then and the priest goes, ho, 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 or some variation Why on that. Why did you do that? Because that's what the Lord Jesus did at the Last they Supper. They different back then. <laughs> he, he like, this is my body, it is given up for you. Oh yeah, I think I went to the Uniting Church, which, which is not, I, I don't think it's part of the Catholic Church, but they did no. a similar thing. Sure, okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Yes, I feel like the Protestants, like Protestants don't do it, I think. Maybe, but who cares about the Protestants? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Religious Christian takes here at Praise Dionysus. But yeah, transubstantiation is the part where they, like, as it was taught to me in year, like, grade two. Yeah, great. Because <laughs> I remember we had, like, a long conversation it about it. explains a lot about you. Doesn't yeah. it? I remember there was a long conversation in my grade two classroom during religious education mm. where the teacher was like, it literally becomes Jesus's body and blood. It's not a and healthy then, thing to tell a two-year-old. Well, no, and this, uh, Luke briefly touches on this in the piece. It's like, it's so interesting that if children's so young, it's like, yeah, we were having this conversation in our classroom where we as students were like, what do you, but not literally though, right? Like we're not putting like man flesh in our mouths Mm. and the teacher's like, yes, you are. You literally are. And then we're almost as children being like, but is it a metaphor? And the teacher's like, no, you are fully doing it. And it's so funny that the kids all, like, obviously cotton on that it's like, this isn't really, like, they know. But also, like, they don't. But but you're also at that age, though, where it's like, you, 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 this adult has all the information and you have none of it. And the fact that the kids are initially questioning it is like, they know something's up and then they are reinforced the wrong thing. And then the person that is meant to tell you that you're right in questioning things is like, no, that's human flesh. You're eating Jesus. Yes, and you're meant to. (laughs) And you're meant to like it. So I thought that was something that really stuck with me of like thinking about 
that thing of just like in- introducing these ideas and he, even like the seemingly like innocuous ideas that we introduce to young people yeah like when what? they're too young to really question it like what like what like all of them like everything that like society's built upon not to talk about society like a simpleton but you know just everything that we're taught about we like, live <laughs> in a society we do I don't know if that's mind blowing to anybody but all of those things like even the indoctrination of like capitalist ideals people yeah. that are born into Scientology I, which I know one. you know yeah, someone no 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 I, I was oh, going to dig your no, brain I wish no, it's like, yeah, and I, I know it's lazy to compare one religion to another religion to make a point about religion. But you can. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, and and I can't fall back into a, like a hole of talking about the education system. But the way that we don't yeah. te- like teach people to question things, yeah. we just teach people things that are old ideas that maybe just set them up to make the same mistakes that the, that the people around them have made. Yeah, right. And don't actually strengthen them to actually be like you know citizens that can make a difference. But yes, then it continued moving forward, and there was like another portion that I thought was quite remarkable was when uh, <laughs> there was a birthday cake involved, which I'm always into and just in terms of like an on-stage device for some reason I'm just always really into birthday cakes on stage yeah I guess I've seen a birthday cake or two on stage yeah there was, there was always charged with change and, and thought aren't they are they definitely the idea of time it's another year gone sure you consider birthday cakes to be loaded with the concept of time absolutely this is like another year gone of your life my pal Harry just turned 18 and I bought him like a cookies and cream birthday cake from Woolworths Yum. really good birthday cake Anyway, it's oh, yeah, no, okay, sure. <laughs> a whole story. Um, we made a cheesecake last night. You made one. Yeah, Flynn got the got the compulsion that he wanted to do something because we had the entire day to ourselves after lunch, and my compulsion is let's relax and lie down. Flynn is like, I can't do that. I need to do something. And he made a cheesecake. So he made a cheesecake. That's a pretty gay story. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, <but> yeah. <laughs> Luke told this story about like a like a one night standy thing that occurred, and it was this really nice poetic prose. That was like, I don't, this is reductive of me to say, and I feel like it's a comparison that I've made certainly in real life with you, but potentially on this podcast as well, of like, <laughs> it was, it strode that really like, I don't know, tricky middle ground between just like a story told well and dreadful like notes app poetry. It was oh, in the sure. middle part. Yes. Where it was like, it was a story told at the correct pace with the right amount of detail and enough lyricism and poetry to have the story also be beautiful at the same time. Ooh, that is a fine line to walk. Yes. And maybe that is just me very like millennially describing what good writing is, but. <laughs> so what you do is you write things down when you're struck by inspiration. <laughs> you know how poems can be good and bad? And you know how stories can be good or bad? If they be both good and they have a baby, you get a story like the one that Luke told us. I hate this character. What character? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, no, you're right. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no tap stuff can be... <laughs> oh, shut up. Can then, be bad. There was a part where a woman made wine by crunching on grapes with her footsies. By which I, I, I meant to say feet. No, I got what you meant. I got what you meant. <laughs> but I want to interrogate why I said footsies. Because you're a... Adorable little Ador- Furby. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm an adorable Furby. Footsies. Footsies. Okay, so she played Futsal. It's Furby for feet. And was it like yes. an audience member? Yes, it was one of the giggly women next to me. One of the fortunately befriended giggly women. Did, hold on, did anyone drink the wine? Yes, Luke did. Did she drank- crust with her big bare feet? Yeah, he drank the footsie wine. He's a serious theatre maker. That seems unsanitary. There was a portion where he sang, um, what's that song? I've been listening to it constantly ever since then, just to get to think about the show more. Oh. Um, that I'm on Fire song by Bruce Springsteen. How does it go, Jack? <laughs> um, every time I try to sing it, I end up singing Ring of Fire by, by Johnny Cash. They sound deceptively similar well, to a stupid person. I, 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 go on, go on. Oh, oh I'm on fire. <laughs> that song. Oh, 
You got a burning love. That song? <laughs> We're going to get copywritten. Um, no, I, I don't know that song. It was just quite haunting. Sure. It was like, I don't love Orville Peck, but I do like some things that he does and some songs that he has. Oh, is that an Orville Peck song? No, but no, but something about even just Luke's body language in that moment reminded me of what I like about Orville Peck. I really sure. like that Orville Peck song about him driving a truck and he falls in love with another truck driver. What another one? Oh, what's it called? Drive Me Crazy. <laughs> That's great. Incredible song. When I, like I, when I accidentally saw him live, that's the song that moved me the most. Because were you working? I was. Yeah, right, right. Yes, I didn't just wake up at the forum. I was, I was like, gonna... what's happening? Oh, it's a faceless cowboy. Sounds like something you do. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I love Orville Peck, so... That's great. I, I, res- I fully respect. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, a bunch of other stuff happens. I don't want to spoil it in case this show happens again. If it does happen, I suggest that you go, because it was like, yeah, just like grungy and strange, and I enjoyed the ride, and Luke's presence on stage is one that I hope I get to experience again soon. Because yeah, I right. just Yeah, just found him to be so, yeah, like warmly intriguing and artistically very exciting, and yeah, I was glad to be there. And again, I just want to like stress how nice it was to be in like a, a not inherently theatrical space, experiencing something theatrical and it feeling a little bit like just a thing that we all discovered together. And yeah, that sounds so magical the way you've described it. Sure, yeah. And it, and it too, like I was also like, <laughs> it was the type of personal, well, it felt so personal and intimate and significant for him for whatever reason. Maybe it's just him being a very effective performer to the point where it's like, I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it on this podcast because I was worried about it being like, rude in terms of like the privacy that felt like was established between like almost like the discretionary relationship that began to exist between the audience and he wow it was like yeah i don't know so that was something but then of course that made me all the more like wanting to talk about it with you and yeah with no, you, you sweet choice. sweet listener because i just feel like it was such a worthwhile theatrical experience that it was i don't know valuable to share it because oh my god yeah i don't know i just yeah just i don't know <laughs> for whatever it's worth i just like encourage everybody to like if you care about theater or whatever and just like i don't know Sometimes you need to like look under a few more rocks to maybe find the piece of art that's going to touch you the most. Totally. Um, so yeah, that's just a recommendation that I'm throwing at you unprompted. No, I love an unprompted recommendation. Sure. Um, theater. Right. I think it could be something. I think they're onto something. This new theater. Hope it takes off. Hope it takes off. Yeah. Best of luck. <laughs> theater. <laughs> hey, theater. He's looking at you, theater. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, that was good. This is my audition. Oh. (laughs) For anything specific? Anyone who'll take me. It's a general. (laughs) Yeah. I just Um, want a pilot. We're done. (laughs) To marry. (laughs) I want to marry a man of the sky. Go on. (laughs) I have a story to tell, but I shan't tell it here. Why? Because I started instigating an award-winning musical about marrying a pilot. (laughs) I want an Amelia Earhart musical. You want one? Yeah, I want an Amelia Earhart musical. It starts off normal. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Okay, it starts off normal. It starts off normal. Yeah, and then like... Vivid. Maybe like two songs into the first act, she crashes. Okay. And then the rest of it is performed by Coconut Crabs. What's a Coconut Crab? Those are the crabs that live on the island where Amelia Earhart supposedly crashed and everyone believes ate her. Oh my goodness, I've never heard this. Everyone yeah. believes Have that? Have you seen a coconut crab? So everyone but me believes Amelia Earhart oh. was eaten by coconut crabs. It's a, pretty, <laughs> it's, a, it's a theory, no one knows. But the coconut crabs, I'll show you. This is Jake's reaction to a coconut crab live on air, everybody. Okay, get this image up. Come on. Oh! Yeah, that's a coconut crab. Oh my god! No, they're fucking huge. Ew. They, are, they are properly terrifying. Oh. So she crashed. That's the, fantastic. They believe she crashed there. So I think that it should be all like... How big is this of, island? 
Uh, I'm actually not sure, but not huge. What are the odds that you would crash onto the fucking haunted island of the Crab King? Well, maybe she crashed and swept up on the washed up on the island. She washed up on the island. I could redo the whole story now, but I think we need to wrap. This no, up. I will do this in my private time. Yeah. I suggest everyone else does too. But that I think the musical should be her surviving, like trying to survive against coconut crabs. How does she go? <laughs> not good. Not good. No. <laughs> Not good at all. So even in your musical of reimagining, she doesn't survive. Of course! It's what Amelia she... Earhart. <laughs> so? She gotta die. <laughs> Let her die. You're writing historical fiction and you still have to kill her? Well, what would you do? She becomes queen of the coconut crabs? <laughs> that was exactly my thought. <laughs> or like, what, are there other people? What if that's where lots of people have gone? What if like that fucking like, American pie plane crashed and they all ended up on the fucking crab island too? And maybe the crab flesh keeps you young forever. So she's eating the coconut crabs. Well, so that's good. She gets taught to do that by the people that were on the American Pie plane. But what? Wouldn't they have crashed after her? I don't know how time is structured in terms of the things that Pretty happened. Pretty simply. How long ago was Amelia Earhart? Oh, God, I wouldn't be able to say. Like, like early 1900s? Okay. And yep, yep, American Pie was after that. Sure, so she would have to teach. Like, Amelia Earhart was like the first woman to fly a plane, I think, is like the is, is her thing. So, right, pretty right, long right. ago. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yes. Brothers. Well, I'm sure they were. Uh, right thank Brothers, you, indeed. Thank you, thank you. Yes. No, but, yeah, no, I can imagine that being the case. Yeah, American Pie, they crash, they get washed up, the crabs are about to get them, and then you hear a voice, and it's like, Oi, crabs! You'll stop that right now! <laughs> Who the fuck is this? Her accent Mary got Queen weird. Scots? No, it's no. Amelia Earhart. Her Amelia accent got Earhart. weird. Because she spent so much time alone with the crabs. Like a transatlantic. Oh, come here, crabs. Hey, crabs, why don't you come and pick on someone your own size? <laughs> yeah. Then they all do their clickety clackies. Clickety clack. And then they start they... a tap dance. <laughs> yeah, because they. Crabs. That's how they. Crab, crab, crabs. Yes. But I want to also believe that Amelia Earhart has like human friends there. Maybe that's where Princess Diana is. This is the island that we were speaking about where everyone who dies and fakes their death goes to. Yes. That's what this is. That's fantastic. There you go. It's all those people from the submarine. Submersible. Oh. That's really interesting. I wonder who gets all the money for doing that. Jeffrey Epstein. Oh my god. It's all coming we together. We did it. We did it. Uh, patent, pa patent uh, praise Dionysus, uh, copyright by us. Uh, uh, what else is there? I do have to point out that Jeffrey Epstein does post-date Amelia Earhart, but I guess if he's eating, what are they called? Coconut, coconut crab crabs. If he's eating coconut crab flesh, he could have been much older than we thought. So you think he crashed like in the early, late 1800s? I think one of his connections, maybe Amelia Earhart herself. I mean, it herself. makes sense. Why would he have so many connections unless he's like a like hundred years old? That makes sense to me. And has been around for a long time and is like slowly climbing the ranks. And then it comes, and then Amelia Earhart has to fight him. Why? Because we can't have Jeffrey Epstein. Maybe she found out what he was doing. Yeah. Like with the children. <laughs> yeah? Just to be clear, I didn't think you thought I was like mad that he was using crab flesh for infinite youth. No, I was thinking about the children. The trafficking? Yeah, the trafficking of those innocent children. And yeah. Amelia Earhart found out and she was like, nope, none of this. Yeah, and then she started, then she... She, she, then she got him cancelled. She unionised the <laughs> coconut crabs against him. I don't know how the crabs would help with a, like a court case, but yes, I'm sure the crabs helped. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a crab pun. A cra oh, really, that's what you're focusing yeah, on? The puns? Um, well, it's been a good week, Jake. It's um, been alright. <laughs> what have you got on? Anything exciting coming up? Um, Hopefully. <laughs> that's right. my prayer with life as it continues. Great. Um, Great. Okay, well... Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, we may already disagree with things we've said on this podcast, where human beings and opinions change, uh, and that's fine, and you can't be angry at us for that. 
Okay? Yes, imaginary... God! Angry person. Jesus. And friends don't let friends become theatre critics. No, they don't. No. They simply do not. You step in. You, st- you stop it before it happens. Mm-hmm. And if it, does ha- if it does happen, you push them away. Yes. Talk All evil it. takes to prosper is for good people to do nothing. If you're doing a show, <laughs> let us know. We'll come and see it. We would love to come and see it. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a show that's off the beaten track, especially let us know. Let us come and see your, your weird stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, uh, Fringe is coming up. Yeah. <laughs> In the distance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's coming, Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Much getting, like getting the sun excited. exploding, it is coming. Getting excited about it. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say, Jake? That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Auf Wiedersehen. And to all of you, good night. Good night.